Macworld Podcast number 70, special edition, for January 23rd, 2007. Sponsored by MYLB, Small Business Management Software. MYLB helps you to mind your own business smarter. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. We're busy clearing out the last of our special edition podcasts from the floor of Macworld Expo. In this edition, Macworld senior editors Dan Frakes and Rob Griffiths show off some of their favorite Mac gems. The next voice you hear will be that of Rob Griffiths. Take it away, boys. Anyway, we're here today to talk about some sort of cool applications and utilities that you hopefully haven't heard of. They're sort of off the beaten track, and they do interesting, useful, and or fun things. And uh, we have a lot of room to work with up here, as you can see. So it's going to be a little exciting as we try to move between machines, because we're, we're both going to demonstrate the applications, or so we think. So with What's that plan, we'll go ahead and get started. Can everybody hear both of us? Can you hear both of us okay, in the back? Okay. Good. Okay. Um, the first thing we're going to start with are browser plugins, and this, these are programs that actually run on top of Safari, and there's obviously a bunch for uh, Firefox and Camino, but we're going to focus on Safari. And uh, I'm going to start actually just show you one that's called Saft, and I, it, I consider it sort of the, um, it's the ultimate Uber browser plugin. It, now, the other thing is the switch box for the displays is down here. Oh, look at that. Not even that touched. Um, so if I go into Safari and open a new window, and the net is working. Um, we go into the preferences screen. The first thing is you can see a couple of new options here on the side that you don't have in the standard Safari. These come from Saft. So there's some options for blocking ads and banners and images and plugins and HTML refreshes. And uh, But you can really see the power of Saft when you go into the preferences screen. And it's got its own tab over here. And this is the demo version because this is my demo computer. Um, it sort of has an unusual interface. The tabs are vertical down the side. But you can you can define shortcuts, like uh, if you want to go to do a search on my website, macOS10hints.com, you can just enter this shortcut, OSXH. So if, if we actually had a working... I don't, know if you know, I don't know if the web is actually working, but if you noticed when I typed OSXH space help, it replaced it with a full URL to the site and to the search page on the site with help as a search term. So using these shortcuts... You can type just a few characters and run searches on these sites, and you can define your own sites. So if there are places you search that they haven't taught you, you can teach Google, or sorry, you can teach Saft how to search those for you. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff in here, and I'm obviously not going to go through all of it. But the uh, one of the features that people really like is, where is it? Hide downloads folder when done. Safari opens your downloads window when you start a download, but it leaves it open when you finish. While with Saft, it'll auto-close. So you're not left with this annoying, darn it, close that window, go back to work. So, and there, like I said, there, there's a whole thing, a series of things you can do with tabs. Um, it lets you uh, have tabs on the sides. It's just got a lot of features. It's free to download and try, and I think it's um, $12, $12 yeah. if you want to buy it. So that's Saft. There are also plugins for iChat, uh, at least three of them that I know of. But again, we're going to show you one today, and this I, I would consider this an essential iChat addition. Uh, if you use iChat a lot, get Chats. It's free, and uh, I wonder if iChat's actually going to work. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't have to connect. We just needed it to run. Um, 
If you go to iChat's preferences, once you've installed Chax, it again has its own menu uh, button in the t in the preferences, and it has a lot of cool features. But this one is the neatest. If you have a lot of chats open, 10.5 has told us they're going to add tabs to iChat. With Chax, you can have it today. So instead of having 12 different windows for 12 different conversations, you have one window with 12 conversations with tabs, and you can pull it. With the latest version, you can actually rip a tab out and make it a standalone window, or you can drag a standalone window in and make it a tab on the other window, and you can rearrange them. Um, there are some options here for doing things like um, automatically accepting text or voice or video chats, um, and just, again, a bunch of uh, different ways of notifying things. There's some away message handling that's better than chats, uh, iChat's built-in features. Again, it's free. Download it, install it. If you don't like it, it has an uninstaller, but the tabs feature alone is, is a great reason to use it. And the uh, the next category is finder enhancements. These are things that uh, enhance the finder and make it a better, more powerful, more flexible program. I describe my relationship with the finder as love-hate. There are some things it does very well. There are a lot more things it does that I really go, um, So using some of these finder enhancements, you can get those a, a little nicer. Um, this one's actually called Deja Menu, and it's listed as a finder enhancement. It's actually a system enhancement. What Deja Menu does is this. It puts the menus for any application under the mouse cursor at the touch of a hotkey. So if you've got a 30-inch Apple display and you're working down here near the trash can and you want to do something up there under File, Edit, you, you don't have to drag your mouse all the way up there and click, click, drag, click, drag, click, drag. Um, you just hit the hotkey and the menu will pop up right under the cursor. And it's fully navigable. You can go all the way down into it and, and then you can just pick whatever it is you want it to do. Like, let's change the view to icon view. Um, so I didn't have to go to the menu to do that. Now, the real power of Deja Menu comes if you have a multi-button mouse. You can assign the hotkey that activates Deja Menu to a mouse button. So now all you have to do is click a mouse button, and wherever you are, you have that program's menus. Uh, I find this invaluable. It's not so much importance on a little PowerBook or MacBook, but if you have a bigger screen at home, it saves a lot of wrist action flinging the mouse backwards and forwards. So that's Deja Menu. And now Dan gets to talk, and I get to push the button. Are we going to just switch here? Go back and forth. Give me my button push. Yep. So uh, for those of you who have ever used Windows, one of the cool features of it, it ha does have a few cool features, is if you right-click anywhere in a uh, in, in the, well, what, it, what Windows calls the Finder, in a window, there's an option to create a new file. You know, in Mac OS X, if you want to create a new, say, Word document, you actually have to launch Word, open it, open a new document, save it, navigate where you want to save it, and then save it. Um, new file adds this feature of Windows to Mac OS X. And so if you can go into a folder, wherever you happen to be in the Finder, right-click, and it will say, make a new file. And then it gives you a list of you can do BBEdit, document, are we... We're back there. Okay, go ahead and switch over. <laughs> uh, but I, sh I meant to mention, there, there are URLs at the top of all these slides. Right. We've probably gone past them too quickly. So if there's something that you saw that you wanted you didn't get, just come up at the end and we'll give you the URL. Right. So right now I'm in this folder that Rob was working in. Say I wanted to create a new Word document in this folder. I can just control-click or right-click if you've got a, a two-button mouse. And you see at the bottom of the contextual menu is a new file button. Go in here and uh, say, oh, I want a new Word document. There's a new Word document, and in fact, it, it, by default, um, it will actually open Word and then open the document right away. So you've got the new document ready to work on without having to go in and open, save, navigate, blah, blah, blah. 
And uh, the other cool thing about this is you can actually customize what appears in this new file menu. For example, if you've got a particular Word file, a template for something you do at work, an invoice template or something, um, or a spreadsheet that you use all the time, uh, a template of a spreadsheet, you can put those in the new file folder, which is in the configuration options, and uh, automatically say a new invoice for work, and it will open, it, uh, create a new invoice in that folder and then open it right away. And this is uh, this is donationware, so download it for free. If you if you use it, send them a few bucks. What's that? New file is actually a contextual menu plugin. So it, it, it adds to the contextual menus of the Finder. And here's another one that I think is kind of cool. This one's really cool. It's called Mondo Mouse. Now, for those of you who've been using Mac OS X for a long time, or even the old Mac OS 9 and, and former, um, if you've got a folder that, say, you want to resize, and it happens to be behind another another folder or behind an application, you've got to first bring that to the front. Or what if your folder's partway off the screen so you can't see the little resize button? Mondo Mouse lets you move and resize folders, or excuse me, windows, without actually getting to the window. And it's kind of hard to describe, but let me show you an example. Oops, Ryan, I'm on yep, the wrong. I got it. No, no, go ahead. And oh, I'm show them the movie. One. We got the movie yep. up here. So this is a little movie of how it works. Right now, it's being moved without actually bringing to the front. And now here's how you resize it. And you do this by assigning keyboard combinations. So I've got mine set up so if I hold Control and Option, I can move any window around without bringing to the front. Um, it, 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 what's that? No, it is running, but I, it's not set up with your keyboard shortcut. Right, I'm so. not sure what it is on here, so I'm just <laughs> going to let the movie demo. And I'll but make, I think you can see it. I'll show you again really quick what it does. This is it, right? No, that's Deja Man. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what yeah. the keyboard combinations are, so. And I actually, the thing I use this most is when one of my windows is kind of off the side of the screen and I need to resize it, but I don't want to have to click on it, bring it over, resize it, and then move it back. What's the next one? Is this? And the next group of things are utilities, which are kind of like a catch-all. They don't really fit in our other categories, but... <laughs> So there's a mix of stuff in here. Right. I'm going to let Rob do um, this first. Menu meters. Menu meters is a, a free program, and it, as you can see, kind of see by the screenshot there, it has four things that it does. It's a system monitor, and it looks at CPU usage, disk activity, network activity, and memory usage. And you can elect to see any or all or none or a combination, and you can customize how those things appear. And this is actually pretty easy to demo, so I am going to switch over. And it's running uh, right now, although you can't really tell because I don't have anything showing. Uh, it's a system preferences panel that sits in here. Oh, it actually isn't running. And as I enable each of these things, you'll see they appear in the menu bar. So this is a CPU usage meter that right now I have set to display as a thermometer. I could show it as a graph. Uh, and over time, you'd see a bar graph appearing. You can see a little... If I was actually asking the system to do anything, um, you'd see the CPU utilization going up. Uh, you can see it as percentage in thermometers, see how busy it is. I just like the thermometer because it's fairly narrow. And obviously, on a screen like this, you can see we're already running out of room. Um, but you can enable disk activity, or you can see memory usage as a pie chart, and you can see network activity as sort of arrows, and you can also see it with the actual throughput as your upload and download speed. So on my home machine, the, the one I use the most is the CPU meter because it's just a good way to keep touch with what the machine's doing. If it gets sluggish and I look up here in the bar and I notice they're both maxed out, I know I've got something that ran away and i got to go figure out what, what what's killing the background. So it's free. It's a system preferences panel and easy to use and very easy to customize. And it's ragingmenace.com. Okay, yeah, what size? 
this one and the next one are both ways to find out what's using all that hard drive space on your drive. You, you look down, and you thought you had 30, 40 gigabytes left, and it turns out you only got 10 or 20. And how do you find out what's taking up all that space? Now, there's two applications here. The first one is what size, and what size uses a sort of textual display. You say, I want to look at my hard drive, and in this case, it's um, one that Rob's got called Apps. And it says, okay, on that hard drive, the first column is, these are all the uh, folders and items at the root level of the hard drive, sorted by how much, by, by size, how much each one's taken. You see uh, uh, the games folder, which uh, hey, it's Rob's a, games folder. It's not that big, really. It's 52 gigabytes <laughs> of his hard drive space. It's one and program. See, <laughs> yeah, and you see that he's actually selected games, and then in the next column, it shows you within that folder exactly what's taking up so much space. And so this is a quick way to say, okay, this is taking a lot of space. If I want to free up some space, um, I can delete this explain folder. Which no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is a nice one to be able to quickly see the folders taking the most space. The next one is called Grand Perspective, and it takes a visual display. You tell it to look at your hard drive, and it examines it, and what it does is shows you every, each one of these little independent blocks on here is a separate file on your hard drive. And it also groups them together. So, for example, um, right now, the biggest, that big yellow thing over in the left-hand side where the cursor is at, that's actually my email database. Um, over here on the right where there's all those little uh, orange tiny dots grouped together in two big blocks, those are photos in my iPhoto folder. But by looking at this, you can say, wow, these big red things over here are taking up a lot of space. Turns out these are old movies I've already watched. I could delete them. Yeah, and it gives you the summary at the bottom of the right. window. You see the 1.22 gigabytes. Right. My email database is 1.22 gigabytes, and it shows you the location. And, in fact, if I were to double-click on one of these files, it would show it in the finder so you could delete it immediately. And both of these are free, by the way. We'll be back with Dan and Rob after a word from our sponsor, MYOB. Are you a small business that loves the Mac? How about your accountant? How much do they love your Mac? With MYOB's easy-to-use small business management software, it doesn't matter. MYOB will send your accountant a free copy of the software, Mac or Windows, completely cross-platform. Since 1989, MYOB's award-winning software has empowered small business owners to manage their customers, vendors, inventory, payroll, and, of course, their accounting. To learn how MYOB can help your small business, visit myob-us.com. MYOB. Mind your own business. Smarter. And now back to the show floor with Rob Griffiths and Dan Frakes. Super duper. This is... Uh, pretty much everybody on Macworld loves this utility. And what it is, it's a backup utility, but it's a cloning utility. And what that means is that it will, it will make a complete identical copy of your entire hard drive onto another hard drive. And it will do every single file. It will copy over without problem. It will preserve all kinds of permissions, any kind of special settings. It will make the drive bootable. And this is a way to quickly be able to get a, a, a whole other version of your hard drive to keep as your backup. If your main hard drive should die, you can just switch over to the other one and be up and running in no time. Um, and it sounds like a simple thing, but there aren't too many utilities for Mac OS X that can actually make a copy like this that's bootable, that's exactly the same. Um, there's one called Carbon Copy Cloner, which is free. Super Duper is actually um, does a slightly better job with uh, invisible and hidden files, and it also has scheduling, so you can have it do an updated clone every morning. Um, it has a much easier interfa interface. You see here where it says what's going to happen. Not many utilities do this. It says, oh, so if you press copy now, it's going to do exactly this, and it explains exactly what you're going to do, so you don't have to worry about whether you've got all the right settings and stuff. It tells you in plain English, this is what's going to happen when you click this button. 
What's that? Is there a sense of an incremental clone? Yes, he asked if there's an incremental clone. And if you look on here right now in this paragraph, the second paragraph says Smart Update will. I've got an option enabled called Smart Update. And it says Smart Update will copy and erase what's needed to make the target disk exactly the same as the original, meaning so, it will only copy over the stuff you've changed. If you've deleted stuff on the source, it will delete it from the... So it's basically just going to update. It's not going to copy the whole thing over again. And although it's $28, it's free to try, right. and they just... You're restricted. You can't, you schedule, can't schedule, and you can't Smart Update, right, I think. exactly. But you can definitely give it a full try. Right. Yeah. He said, "Disk utilities restore function. It, it, it's a little, it's a lot more limited for one thing. Um, it, you basically you can make a copy of a disk using disk utility, and then l later at some point, re, you know, bring it back over. But it doesn't have quite as many features, and it's not quite as reliable in my experience. I've had problems where it doesn't actually copy and restore everything properly. Cool. I think I don't know what's next." Uh, this is uh, <laughs> so. This is another one of my favorites. Uh, if you've got multiple computers on a local network, say in your house or your office, and you want to copy a file from one to the other, right now what you've got to do is set up personal file sharing um, on the machine you want to copy to. Go across the network, log into it, put your username and password, get to the right part on the hard drive, uh, and then copy it over. What Drop Copy does is you run a copy on every on every uh, Mac on your network. And then it lets you, in the finder, you get a little dot. I'm going to show you this in a second. A little, uh, where it says the utility icon, that's the drop copy uh, thing that shows up on the desktop. You drag a file onto it, and it says, here's all the places you can copy this file to. Just drag it, let go, and it automatically copies it over. You don't have to log on anywhere. You don't have to set up file sharing. And here's a demo of what it looks like. I've got three Macs. I want to copy this movie to another computer. Boom, it shows up. Let me, actually, that was, went pretty quick. Drag it over. It shows you what the, the machines you can copy to, and boom, it copies it, and it's done. No, no setup. Automatically discovers all other computers running drop copy on your network. Yeah, and what you can't see in the movie, I don't think, really, is the circle isn't this obvious when it's not in use. It's just that, well, right at the very beginning, it's this dim little circle, so it's not like it grabs your eye all the time. It just but when you want to drag a you file, want, yeah. you just flick it, and it lights up, pick a machine. No yep. setup. It's very easy to use. Yep. And it's free for individuals. If you've got a large network, it's only $25. Yeah. Well, that, whoever's running it, the question was, where does it end up on the other machine? Um, you can set it up so that it goes in the drop copy preferences. You can set it up so that when someone's sending stuff to you, you can tell it where it goes. Or, and you can even, if you've got multiple users on the same machine, you can set it up so that the, each user will appear in that list. And so, say I've got a machine in the other room with three users, it'll say, which user do you want to send the file to? And this is actually another one of mine. Yeah, um, most of yours. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, most of the utilities are mine here. Um, Change short, I mean, this actually is mine in that um, I'm one of the people who wrote it. Uh, with a friend of mine, James Buchanan. Um, in Mac OS X, for those of you who ever, uh, who ever <laughs> accidentally used the wrong short username, and then you went back in and realized, wait, you can't change it. I can change my long name, but I can't change the short one. And there's a reason for this. It's a really... Uh, sort of low-level part of the of your user account. Uh, you don't want to try changing it manually. If you do, there's a chance you'll either screw things up and won't be able to log into your account, or you'll miss things that otherwhere in this other places in the system. Um, there's no easy way to do it. And so we wrote this utility, and what it does is it pops up. You have a pop-up menu that says these are the existing usernames on my account account names. Tell it what the new one is, and then you say run script. And it, what it actually does, it'll launch terminal, which is kind of scary for some people. But it'll run the script in terminal, and then 
boom, your whole, everything's changed. Everything that is related to your short name in your account is updated to the new one. Yeah. Um, as I say here, be sure to read the documentation because there are some caveats. Apple hasn't made this easy, but if you absolutely have to change your short your account's short username, this is the easiest and safest way to do it. it. It's also, I'd say it's the only way. I mean, there is a manual solution, but it is long and involved. And it's about 40 steps, and it's on Apple's website, and even that 40-step process doesn't change everything where it should be changed. Hey, hang on, there's one behind you. What the, does there's actually mean? a repair if you if you've gone in and tried to do it yourself and screwed <laughs> your system up. There is a repair mode that will go and try to fix it for you. But again, this is one of the few things that you absolutely should read the manual for because, like we said, we're trying to help people do stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing in the first place. But <laughs> you could use. It. He asked if you if you ch- if you've got an old machine that you transfer everything over to and you've got the same short same short name on both machines. If it bothers you, you could change yeah. one of them using this. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I actually have the same short name on all the machines just because it's one less thing to remember. Right. Me too. <laughs> I think, I think this is mine. What's next? So these are things you can add to your system to make it do more than Apple has chosen to let it do. And I actually don't remember what's in this category, so it'll be sort of interesting. <laughs> oh, service, uh, right. service scrubber. Um, this is, well, Dan actually was involved in the development of the change short name script. All I can claim credit for on this one is it was my idea, and I talked to a developer, and I said, gosh, it really irks me that I can't do this. And like two hours later in my inbox was a beta version of this program. It's like, wow. Uh, the author's name is Peter Maurer, and he wrote a bunch of stuff for OS X, including Butler and Witch and Service Scrubber. And what Service Scrubber does is it runs the services menu on OS X, and services live right here under each application's icon. And over time, when you install programs, they can install their own services. They don't have to tell you they're doing it. They don't notify you that it's been done. But if you just like went to Version Tracker or Mac Update and downloaded 40 programs and installed them and then opened your system pr- uh, services menu, you'd probably find you have five or ten new items in there. And what services are are things that you can get to from pretty much any application you're running. And they do useful things, like in TextEdit, you can, uh, if I had some text selected... Um, I could go Finder, Services, Text Edit, New Window Containing Selection. Now, a new window of, of the word Deja menu. Oh, look, it, it actually got the image. <laughs> um, so, But services mainly let you work on selections of text. You can make sticky notes out of selections. You can send them to browsers. They do good things. On my home machine... This menu had 145 items in it, and it scrolled off the bottom of the screen. But there's no management of this tool. Uh, you, you can't get rid of things unless you have Service Scrubber. Let's see if it's in here. Yes. What Service Scrubber does is it gives you control over your services menu. So instead of relying on the developer to say, you really need this service, I've given it to you, congratulations. Uh, you know, I can tell you I've never used the Chinese to English text encoding service, uh, and probably never will. So Service Scrubber goes out and it reads your services menu, and if you don't want something, you can just turn it off. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't do a lot of compile, com- compiling code in, in binary, so we're going to turn that off. And then when you're done, you just hit save, and you need to give it your admin password. And it writes it out. And now if I go back to the services menu, you see the Chinese text encoder is gone. So my home menu after I got this program, I only have the 10 things that I use all the time instead of the 140, and I'm like, there it is. you know. So anyway, it's a great little program. It gives you a tool that Apple doesn't give you. It works really well. If you ever want to get everything back, you can just go in here and um, re-enable everything and then hit save again, and you'll have them back. So that's Service Scrubber. Highly recommended if you install a lot of programs. Oh, look, he changed with his toe. I 
Actually, this one's mine too. Um, both of ours, but oh, that's right, it's both of ours. Um, which is also a program that I inspired with a complaint to the same author. Um, command tab switches between applications, but I don't ever want to switch applications. I want to switch windows. I've got five Safari windows. I've got four Word windows. I've got three text edit windows. I don't want to go to text edit. I want to go to the you know tomorrow's schedule in text edit. That's what which is. Which is a window switcher instead of an application switcher. And so the way it works. Uh, you know, Command Tab brings up the application switcher, but let's open a couple more um, Safari windows. Of course, they're all going to stay untitled. Right, they're all going to stay untitled. But um, so anyway, they're because the, the websites aren't loading. Oh, they actually there they are. They're working on it. Um, when I hit Option Tab, I can switch between windows now as easily as I can switch between. Um, applications. So if I go to that one, it actually loads that window of the program instead of using command tab where, you know, I would go to Safari and then I'd go, okay, which window? Oh yeah, I wanted uh, that one. Um, option tab, you can see them all and you can switch between them directly to a window. And it's got, it runs as a system preferences panel. And there are some options in here where you can really, I mean, if you look at this screen, you go, oh my gosh. But I haven't configured anything. Everything I just showed you is how it runs out of the box. Peter loves to give you control over your apps. So there are all sorts of settings in here. Like I said, I haven't touched them. So it runs very well. Just install it, give it a test. If you don't like it, get rid of it and it goes away. There's no, it's not doing anything low level. It's just a program. Does it handle the tabs in Safari? No. No. It, it only knows about what the OS can tell it about. And there are some applications that create windows in strange ways that they don't even tell the, the OS about. And for the longest time, one of them was, um, I, th- I think, Journal. is a journaling application. And he couldn't get its windows to show up inside of which because it was apparently drawing them in some strange manner. So, But for about 99% of the stuff you run, it works great. And so I, I use this and I use Command Tab, but I love being able to go directly to a window. Is better than uh, using Command Tilde? Well, Command Tilde, you have to cycle through all of them. So, you know, I can go into Safari, right. but I still have right. to go... Where command is Tilde it? is all the windows within a particular application. So if you're in Safari, you can Command Tilde, right. and then it brings each one to the front. So you, if, you, if it's the fifth window you want, you have to go one, two, two three, four, four five. five. Whereas here, I just... Which, yeah, directly to any, any window within any application. Yeah. So it's great. Um, so that's which. I switched already. Oh, you did switch? Oh, so they saw none of that. <laughs> oh, the last one? Yeah, the one I just... <laughs> um, uh, and this one was mine, too. Um, and this may only be a niche product, but um, I do a lot of screen captures. Dan does a lot of screen captures. If you write, if you teach, if you demo, you do screen captures. Apple's got some built-in tools, but Snaps Pro, if you do a lot of screen captures, is uh, the best that I've seen. I've, I've heard a rumor there's a new program called Skitch. It's in, it's in it's beta. A private beta. Private beta. Right, so. That is a screenshot tool that, at least from the web I saw, looked pretty cool, so I'm going to look at that. But Snaps Pro does an amazing job. It's got tons of options. But one of the things I like just in terms of... Uh, capabilities that I still have not found any replacement for is it can capture movies. So this is a little movie I captured of X-Plane, that 32 gigabytes worth of stuff on my hard drive, um, and it was captured in real time at 1024 by 768. I shrunk it down to fit in the presentation, but it captures it at 30 frames a second, real color, real audio, uh, writes it out to your hard drive, and then you can deal with it in QuickTime Pro and do whatever you want to do to it. Um, and it's a little jumpy right now because it's running inside a keynote, and I massage the heck 
out of it in Keynote, but in QuickTime. But the original is 30 frames a second, full screen. I mean, it just, it's an amazing tool if you need to capture stuff. And for screenshots, you can automatically add drop shadows, and it knows about square windows and round windows. It can, so even, it's just, it can even take screenshots of DVDs. Screenshots of DVDs, yeah. which Apple's tool won't let you do. Um, so very powerful and flexible if you're involved in education or teaching. Jump cut. Now, Which one are we on? Is, is it installed in here? Yes, it is. Okay. Oh, well, I'll just explain really quick. I, I'm, I've always wanted to use multiple clipboards. Uh, you know, the situation comes up where you copy something, clip, or you cut something out of a document, then you move on, and then you copy something else, and you just realize you lost what you cut, cut earlier. Um, and there's also times just when I say, oh, I pasted this earlier, I wish I still had it on the clipboard. Um, and there are a lot of utilities out there that will give you multiple clipboards. So every time you copy something, it saves it, and you can get a whole, you know, a history of your clipboards. But the problem for me is I've never found one that actually works into my, fits into my workflow. And the, I like Jump Cut because, one, it gives you a menu bar item, so you can just go up to the menu bar, um, click the Jump Cut icon, see all of your past history. And that's what this is on the, on the right. The other is on the left, if I hit a keyboard combination, which in my case is instead of Command-V for paste, it's Command-Shift-V for paste, um, it will actually bring up a little translucent display on the screen with, with all my past clipboard contents, and I can cycle through them. And uh, let's see how many... I wonder what's on my clipboard. Do you know what's that? <laughs> I don't know what's on my clipboard, but it's right. It's in right. And uh, do you know what it's the keyboard combo is on your machine? Whatever the default is. Oh, it's up here. Right. Sorry, we're, we, Rob and I are... Uh, he's using my machine, so he's at a tremendous disadvantage because it's right. not his machine. Command option B. <laughs> All right, we can so, And there's nothing on your clipboard. That's good. <laughs> Normally what would happen is that this would show up and I would be able to just cycle through using the arrow keys to find the thing that I really want to paste for, you know, that I had on the clipboard. It was a, a really embarrassing ago. letter to my boss that I didn't want me to see. Right. <laughs> and then you just hit either let go or hit return and it automatically pastes it wherever you're at. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't have anything on the clipboard, so I can't show oh, you. Oh, can you can grab something That's on the page. Right. Okay. No, this oh, we've got to switch this. Is this me? This is me. Um, this, this is a really cool demo if you actually have more than one machine networked together, but it's kind of like drop copy without it. We're going to mainly just talk about it. Um, do you ever know what a keyboard and mouse switcher is? It's a box that sits between two machines, and you plug all the cables in, and you go A, B, and it lets you share. Teleport is a virtual switchboard. Switch box. So basically, you run teleport on each machine, and by moving the mouse off one edge of the screen, you send the mouse and the keyboard commands to that other machine. So as you can see in that layout there, I had three machines set up, and uh, and the, the way they're laid out, if I was working on the middle one, which is Gargantua, which was my G5, and I dragged the mouse off the left edge of the screen, the mouse would then appear on the 12-inch power book named um, Minimus, and anything I type on the keyboard or mouse movements I make go to the 12-inch power book. So if you work like me at home, I have the power book to one side and I have the big screen here, and occasionally I want to do something on the power book. So instead of having to physically turn over and move and you kind of lose everything that's going on on the big screen, I just flick the mouse off the edge, it goes onto the power book, do what I want to do, and then flick it back over and it comes back to the big machine. So you don't have to have a, a keyboard and mouse you know, directly connected to all those things. You can essentially just flick the mouse around the screen and it controls each of the machines. It's very hard to describe. If you have more than one machine, it's worth trying. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this one is probably both Dan yeah, and I's and Chris Green's today, and yeah. uh, anybody else that writes anything for any reason should either have Text Expander or Type It For Me. And I, I think there's a third there's one. one but um, right now, yeah. the, the two biggies are Text Expander and Type It For Me. And what they are are they are short, shortcut 
type, type that. They're typing shortcut things for you. So um, you can see here all these definitions I have, and these are my real ones. And it's a little easier to see if I actually go into Text Expander itself. Yes, he is. Type it for me. He's in the North Hall, and I talked to him the other day. He's got a minor update that he just released last week. Yeah, to te and the text expander guys are here as well. Yeah, smile on my Mac, Mac is over there. Right so over they're here. both here. So basically what you do is you define a bunch of text that you'd like to be typed when you type something else. So in this case, I've defined an abbreviation as MW logo because this is something I slap onto my, my personal blog all the time as the Macworld logo to point to an article I wrote on Macworld. But instead of having to type all this stuff... All I have to type is MW logo, and it immediately replaces the text. Um, if you ever get an email from me, I signed it like that by typing three R's. Um, and uh, if I have to post an image onto uh, Macworld's web servers, you know, so I'm typing three or four characters. But the real power is you can also do cool stuff like this, where if I put something on the clipboard... So I've copied that on the clipboard. I have one set up... Uh, you notice it inserted the clipboard contents into my clipping. So when I have to paste a URL somewhere, I just copy the URL, I type HHREF, and it writes all that ugly HTML for me, and I can then just type what I want to be the actual hyperlink. So it saves a ton of typing. If you do a lot of writing, I mean, you could easily have 200 snippets that you would want to use regularly. I don't know if you want to add anything, but... Oh, yeah, I use it all the time. In fact, over the past month, oh, yeah. um, I'm the guy for uh, Macworld that covers all the iPod accessories, so... Um, all the vendors who went to CES in Las Vegas this past week were saying, please stop by our booth. And I had to say, sorry, it's Macworld. I can't stop by your booth. And so it was basically <laughs> a, a two-paragraph thing saying, explaining why I couldn't be there and how to contact me about stuff. All I really did was type no CES. And then hit return, and that's what they got. So, And it it's kind of shows you this uh, summary of your statistics. Since I installed it on this machine, which was probably only I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and I don't do most of my writing on this machine, it says it saved me uh, 19,000 characters, which is almost an hour's worth of time at 400 characters a minute. So if you haven't registered, they sort of use this to remind you of of how much, um, how much money costing. you're saving yeah, right, right. and that you, they should send in their $29, I think it is. So anyway, either text expand or type it for me. They both work very similarly, amazingly useful. Uh, and that okay. was it. Yeah, we've got about right, five, five or minutes. ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, teleport. If the machines are networked, and they see each other, yes. Now the question was, can you use Teleport to use your PowerBook to control your iMac wirelessly? Right. right. As yeah, long but as you have to be able to see the screen. The it just it moves the mouse. Right. So mm -hmm. the mouse on the PowerBook. Yes. Yes. The mouse on the PowerBook it, it could just work. It literally sends those mouse commands to that computer. It's really yeah. wild. Yeah. Go ahead. I want to thank you very much for changing short name. You're welcome. There's been an updated version for, he was asking about change short name. It's been updated recently, um, probably within a couple months ago. You can get, go, actually if you just go to versiontracker.com and search for change short name, you'll find it. Thank you. Good, thank you. Is, no, uh, Dave, uh, Dave they, is not here. No, at the they're show. not here. No. 
So they're great guys, though. You know, yeah. one of the things we get we get feedback from our readers about products they like or don't like or bad experiences. And Super Duper, the vendor, is one of the few people that we every week we get an email from someone saying, you know. I had a problem or I had a question. I emailed him. He emailed me within 15 minutes on an answer. And then the I don't book, know when yeah. he sleeps. but And they're really Mac-centric. I mean, it's really cool because yeah. you can tell he enjoys working on his machines. Oh, yeah. So. Any questions? Others? Photoshop 6 what? What about it? Is it a, is it a program? What's that? Photoshop 6 special edit. Oh well, that, that sounds like a different topic. Oh yeah, so, that was somebody well, else's article. Right? So. Yeah, um, we were just showing third-party apps. Yeah. But if you want to talk about after we can, there actually is. There may be someone here demonstrating Photoshop and stuff. Yeah, the, well, actually, week, I'm supposed to schedule. mention that at 12 o'clock, it's the iLife Zone with Chris Breen, Derek Story, and Scott Bourne will be here to talk about iLife. But there was another question. Um, it's not, well, almost all of these, probably 99% are on Dan's uh, Mac Gems. If you go to MacWorld.com, Mac Gems, Gems. they're all, there's a, there's a catalog of every program he's ever done. They'll all be in there, with maybe one or two exceptions. If you don't find something, use a contact form. Oh, that's on the website. You can send us an email. Yes, yeah. You, you can you can go to the contact form and put either Rob or my so or Dan. And, and give us or an Dan. Email. Dan. <laughs> Um, we actually we have a Drag, bigger version of this yeah, presentation. We, right. we, we, get, we give this sometimes with about twice as many forty five things, forty five <laughs> yeah, instead of fifteen. So there are some things that we'd yeah. love to talk about. We just they're both great apps. So yeah. and thank in fact, you there are I think oops, four or five hundred Mac gems over the past three years. Yeah. So there are a lot of things we could have talked about today. But, yeah, yeah, sure. Thank, thank you all for coming. And uh, yeah, if you have any you questions, you know, I think we have a couple minutes before I have to get on stage. Thank you. And that wraps up another edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by MYLB, small business management software. MYLB helps you to mind your own business smarter. I'd like to thank Macworld's Dan Frakes and Rob Griffiths, the many hardworking software developers who created these wonderful Mac gems, and, of course, you for listening. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. See you next time.